Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Dr. Aaron Neinstein. He's the chief medical officer at Notable, which on their website says they're the leading automation platform for patient engagement and staff workflows. All right, that's jargon, but this guy's pretty cool. First of all, he got his medical degree on a ski slope. True story. He'll tell you about it at Big Sky Clinic in Montana. He's a closet anthropologist. He's a really funny guy. He has great talks, but he's a triple board certified endocrinologist, like triple, not good enough. I wanted quadruple, but yet he's still here. Either way, he also consults with the government, which can always end poorly, but he does a great job with the Department of Health and Human Services on their Technology Advisory Committee. Yes, there is a Technology Advisory Committee at HHS, which I think is a good thing. He's incredibly passionate about type 1 diabetes, and we really dig into that. I'm not an expert, thankfully. But th there's been so much progress, and it's a very interesting opportunity right now for parents of kids and for young adults dealing with this to get what they want when they need on their terms. When you empower the patient with the tools they need, everybody wins. So here he is, Dr. Aaron Neinstein. Aaron Neinstein, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. All right. I'm really disappointed in you because I expected more than just three board certifications. Did your mother say, like, three's enough? What's going on? Uh, yeah, you know, in the academic world, you just kind of rack those things up along the way. Um, uh, maybe, maybe there's time for a few more over the years. But, no, I think I, I have to say I, I really got lucky in my career. I, I got into everything to, to be a physician trained in internal medicine, along the way fell in love with the field of endocrinology, in, in particular working with, with families and, and people with diabetes. And then as I learned about, you know, I was an American studies major in college, as I learned about informatics and the opportunity to impact uh, healthcare from a delivery perspective, the, the policy, the systems, the people, the technology, really fell in love with that field and and found that there's such synergy between them. And so, you know, while they get divided up by different, it does mean I, I owe a lot more money every year to to boards exams. But the reality is it, it means that I get to take care of patients at the one-on-one the -on -one level individually in clinic in my office and at a level of thousands or, or hundreds of thousands of people at once in, in the care delivery environment. And, and now in, in my role at Notable, millions of patients at once by building software. So I, I actually am really profoundly lucky to have found my way into 
the synergy between um, those different certifications. So I can't help but notice that there's some background noise. I assume you're filming a movie with De Niro. Is that what's going on? Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm, I'm from Studio City originally, so, so it's in my blood. So you got some extras in the background. Of course, what? You have a job? Yeah, you know, here at Notable Headquarters in San Mateo, uh, team's back in the office recently and, and just a great, great energy and, and camaraderie going on here. I have a San Mateo story. It involves my trying to learn how to drive when I was 14, but I, I'll spare the listeners. Uh-oh. I'm still here and uh, no one died, but, you know, that's my memory of San Mateo. You must have been driving down El Camino. I also realized that you have to be courteous in California, and I'm from New York, so that didn't really bode well. Driving on the coasts are uh, are definitely different. Yeah, different rage, very different rage. And then the lava yeah. flows don't happen over here, so, you know. Right, I got to ask the question, why endocrinology? It's like one of those things where do you, you want to wake up and be this one day, or you discovered it through your, your training? I think it's because I'm a nerd. That's a good answer. Go on. Uh, I, you know, I got very lucky. I, I, I did a summer, um, volunteer experience at a sleepaway camp for children with diabetes and teens with diabetes and, and fell in love with the field, uh, working with, uh, people on a, a chronic illness that is really challenging their lives and, and challenging them to perform at their best, live their dreams. And then the science of it is, is really interesting as well. And I think, the combination of the human side, the science side in endocrinology, I, I, I just really fell in love with. And, and jokes aside, it is, it, is a pretty, it is a pretty nerdy field. So it was a, it was a good fit. I've uh, Just a generic question. I've been blessed enough to not have anyone in my family with type 1 diabetes. Is that number increasing over time or is it kind of level with population growth? Type 1 diabetes is, is largely level. There's probably, there is some increase, but but nothing like, I think when people think about diabetes uh, exploding across the population, that really is more type 2 diabetes. So type 1 is increasing a bit, but nothing like what we're seeing with type 2. I've heard the phrase endocrine disruptors every now and then. What are those? Ooh, I, I'm sitting here drinking from my plastic water bottle that says it's BPA-free. Think about all of the chemicals that are in environment, uh, fire retardants, plastic containers. How many times have you heated up food in a plastic Tupperware container in the microwave? There's concern that all of those chemicals and, and microplastics are getting into our bloodstream and interfering with our hormone systems. So I'm hearing it right. So I'm going to make this up and I might be right or wrong. There seems to be like three kinds of type 2 diabetes and there's the congenital type. There's the uh, maybe the the food exercise based one, but can you be doing all the right things and then the environment just messes you up endocrinologically? There we go. Well, we'll probably find out someday that there are more than the type two diabetes is not one thing. Uh, it's probably the downstream symptoms of many different pathways, complex uh, genetics, environment, and. And I think we're going to learn more over time about the different types of type 2 diabetes that all end up looking the same when people have high blood sugars and, and come into the clinic, but probably have different underlying mechanisms. And we just don't know enough yet. Yeah, I have a lot of friends that are type 2 and they are doing everything they can to manage it. 
And I didn't think we'd be lurching into type two because, like, I I have tangential relationships and I see what's going on. One of my best friends has been raising a type one, and one of my other best friends mm-hmm. is a late induced. He's a he's a former mm-hmm. boxing coach with type two, right? So mm-hmm. like, it can happen to anyone. I'm fascinated by like these these Bluetooth things that monitor everything. Is is that a, a not like Skynet stuff? But it's really interesting from my perspective. You mean the continuous glucose monitors you see on people's arms? Yeah, and the, the phone tells you to eat something? Usually that's not it. Usually the phone is just is reporting your blood sugar uh, that the sensor. So there's a little sensor sitting under your skin. People wear the little patch on their on their arm, a, a glucose sensor, and it's continuously reading your blood sugar and then your phone will will report what the blood sugar value is. I just find it fascinating. It's it, like how far we've come. From my, again, from a limited vantage, I think that's space age stuff. It really is. I mean, you know, you you asked me earlier about what got me into endocrinology, and I was talking about the sleepaway camp for for kids and teens. One of the things we used to do at that camp is walk around every night at two a.m. and prick every kid's finger. You'd have to wake them up, poke their finger, draw blood, measure their blood sugar, and then potentially give them a snack if their blood sugar was low. I mean, it was, it was a really frankly, horrible way for, for children to grow up and live. And, and now with these continuous glucose monitors, you don't have to do that anymore. It's, it's reading the blood sugar all day, all night. Parents can, can check in on the kids uh, without poking their finger. And, and you know, if anyone's ever done that, it's, it's painful and, and brutal. So um, this is a, it's a place where there's been just really wonderful progress. It's amazing. I was watching one of your videos, and uh, I forget which one it was, but you were on stage. You got a kind of like a really good stage presence. Like you, you, you're like got not quite Jackie Mason in you, but I could tell like right away like you're not your normal like get up there and just PowerPoint yourself to death. You know, do you have any favorite comedians growing up? Always uh, partial to Seinfeld, hoping to have the chance to go see him in a couple of weeks when he's coming through San Francisco. So, so definitely a Jerry Seinfeld fan. Uh, George Carlin was always a favorite on family road trips. I'd say those were probably the top two. Yeah, yeah. I, I could tell right away by watching your talk because you made a lot of pop culture references. I, I, the thing that, that struck me the most is that you started talking about how people used to not trust like buying things online. I remember like when PayPal mm-hmm. and eBay and these things, and then you lurch into, uh, well, today we're we're telling yeah. the entire planet what's inside our DNA. How far we've come. It's just really interesting. Not many people get on stage and make those like anthropologic corollaries. You're like a closet I think, anthropologist. Yeah, well, this, I mean, this was again, sort of a lucky accident, right? I was an American studies major in college. I got to college and found out like I could major in basically just learning about lots of different stuff. And who who knew that you could you could do a college major and wow, you know, this uh, American history class is really interesting and this English class is really interesting and this uh psychology class uh and 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 re- so really just broad interests. You know, if you if you go to my Goodreads, I don't know if anybody still uses Goodreads. Oh my Goodreads, god, Goodreads. Wait a second. Yeah. Right? Goodreads. Okay. Remember that one? We are old as fuck. Go on. Yeah, I love Goodreads. Um but but I I can't it's hard to find people on Goodreads, but I I I'm just interested in in curious and in, in a broad spectrum of things and it turns out that that can be useful. I think I spent the early years of my career worried that I wasn't deep enough in in one particular subject area and and then it's turned out that 
being able to converse and, and make connections across a broad array of things is actually useful. How pleasant and surprising to be a critical thinking objectivist. <laughs> oh, this poor planet. All right, I digress. I, I, fun fact of the day for me, telling my listeners, I yeah. read that you, um, you're a big skier because you happen to be in Montana in, your, in clinic. Is that a true story? I, I did. So, so Matt, I, it's better than that. I got my last credit in medical school sitting on a chairlift in Big Sky, worked for a month, work half day, ski half day at the medical clinic of Big Sky. Huge shout out and thank you to Dr. Jeff Daniels, who ran that program for, I think, 20. Actually, he was a New Yorker who moved to Big Sky, Montana, set up a clinic and invited medical students to come for a month at a time for probably 20 or 30 years. Uh, what a fantastic experience and all thanks to Jeff. So you're coming from the West Coast to Montana or where were you prior? Yeah, I was in Los Angeles. I went to medical school at, at USC. All right. So what was it like to breathe decent air for the first time? Uh, I have told my wife that someday we will retire in Montana. So um, it it got into my blood, and I'm looking forward to going back someday. It's like going to Europe, and you realize food is food. You go to Montana, oh my, air is air. It's incredible. <laughs> and yeah. as and as she and as she said, you can retire to Montana. That's pretty cool. That's pretty pretty. All right. So you leave Montana. Do you keep skiing? Absolutely. Okay, because you can't not ski. I used to ski as a kid, and then it got really expensive. So I'm hoping to ski again one of these days. Yeah, it, it, unfortunately, skiing has gotten that way. And and gosh, with, with climate change, you wonder how much longer skiing will be around for, unfortunately. We're going to find, like, bare spring mountains with, like, 30,000 snowblowers on them, and that's all we're going to have to cling to. That's all we're going to have left. Gosh, I hope not. No, I hope not too. All right, so let's let's go back to this corollary of people don't trust things in consumer world, and then people started trusting everything in consumer world, and now we're at a place where no one trusted things in healthcare. I was on the original Google Health board of directors, and they were so presumptuous oh, wow. to assume, "Hey, everyone will just give us all their stuff on Google," and here we are, like you know, thirteen years later, and there is more interest. There's less fear. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's all about trade-offs. Um, people have to believe that the value that something is providing them is nothing. There's no free lunch, right? It's very easy to say, well, we should do such and such if there's no risks. Everything in life is a balance of, if you if you walk back through everything you did today, there's some balance of, of risk and benefit to you, whether that's driving into work, whether that's the food you ate and put in your body, every single thing we do has a risk and a benefit to it. And so I look at technology in the same way, which is what are the, what are the risks and what are the benefits? And can we get to a place where um, the benefits that, are provide, that it's providing exceed the risk? Do you have any specific case studies in your life, in your career, where you've seen someone like flip the switch on, aha, this is more interesting and I can do this now? I mean, we were talking about reading earlier. I mean, so so let's let's talk about you know Kindle, Goodreads, Amazon ecosystem, right? That's collecting a ton of data on us, and yet, how willing are we all to fork that data over because the value it's providing to us is so high? I mean, 
I'm I'm sharing all the books that I'm reading and all of the products that I'm searching for because I feel like the service is providing a value to me. All right, let me flip it this way then. So in consumer land, you can choose the things you want based on comparisons and reviews and whatnot. When it comes to your health, oftentimes someone else makes that decision on your behalf, even though you think this is what's best for you or your doctor thinks this is what's best for you. I know I work in oncology pretty much, mm-hmm. which is a different beast than diabetes, but in generally in healthcare, do you find that the patient or the caregiver, are they aware that the decision should be theirs and sometimes isn't? So I, I might have a skewed view on this because my career has been in type 1 diabetes, where the entire paradigm is about empowering the person with diabetes, with the information, the tools. I'm really a coach. Like, yes, we call it an endocrinologist, but I'm a diabetes coach. And so I think the paradigm there is is particular uh, for diabetes. I also think there's a lot of policy happening. People may not be aware of how much effort is happening at the U.S. federal level to try to arm Americans with information about their health, access to their health data, access to their health records. And so I, I think we're moving in the right direction. I, you know, it's not all or nothing. It's going to take time. I think the, the old paradigm in medicine 20, 30 years ago was very paternalistic. And I think things are moving in the right direction of trying to empower patients, put their own information in their hands and, and give them the opportunity to make decisions. All right. I want to ask you a few questions about policy because I saw you work for the uh, for HHS. But we got to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Dr. Aaron Einstein. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset—hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I've had my fair share of, of opportunities to influence policies and laws and, and stuff in the Beltway. You are uh, you consult or I mean, what's it a, a what's it like to work for the government? I know the answer, but tell our listeners what's it like to work for the government. 
Yeah, so I, I, I was actually appointed by the USGAO about a year and a half ago to serve on the Federal High Tech Committee. Uh, it stands for the Health Information Technology Advisory Committee. It's a federal advisory committee to Health and Human Services and the Office of the National Coordinator. And basically, it's a, it's a group of individuals from different backgrounds across the country who are advising the federal government on health information technology. It is, I have to say, it's an absolute privilege. And we just recently went back to some in-person meetings. We had been virtual. Um, and being a citizen in D.C., in a federal building, serving on a, a federal committee really fills you with a, a sense of gratitude, with with pride, and hearing the stories of the of the people who are serving and volunteering their time uh, we, you know we went out to dinner the night before the meeting last time and and just incredible people reminds you how much of the world is run on goodwill on volunteers uh, on people who are passionate about something um, trying to make a difference so so for me it's been incredibly inspirational to see the other people who are serving on the committee I mean, it would be nice if we heard good news more often than we do <laughs> in our society. And that's yeah, wonderful. I think this is this is good news. I, the this really is, you know, government doing what it's supposed to be doing. There are people who are subject matter experts who are there are patients who Anna McAllister Slip is a is a very um, wonderful um, patient advocate for many many years who serves on that committee, and I, I think this is policy and government working like it should. Well, someone has to figure out how good news can sell advertising on it. Separate conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You mentioned before, you know, a lot of people, patients, consumers, they don't know that they have the power to influence policy and change. Uh, What are some good examples? I mean, just off the top, I've been circuitously living around the insulin, you know, controversies and the pricing, and that's something Mm -hmm. everyone can put their finger on. But Anything specific you'd like to point to in the good news world of how patients and providers and maybe the government are doing great things? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so think about what happened 10 years ago when you tried to get a copy of your medical record. You went to a website, you found an address, you, maybe you called someone, nobody answered the phone. Um, you drove to the hospital, you found the basement office, you had to go for lunch because they were closed from 12 to 2 and you had to come back. Uh, when when someone came back from lunch and then they had you fill out a form, you had to write a check for, you know, three hundred and fifty dollars to get a copy. And then they would give you, you know, a thousand pages of paper with your medical records. Well, all of the policy efforts over the last few years, you can now just I mean, I, I'm an iPhone user, Apple Health record, Apple Health and Apple Health Records have done an incredible job here of kind of adopting um, this new policy and standards, you you can just download your health record onto your phone and see the notes that your doctors are writing and see your lab results. And I, I actually tell my patients now when I order lab tests, I tell them, you're going to see the results before I do. And I, I think this is a remarkable shift in what's possible in healthcare and due to federal policy efforts and, and advocacy. So let's talk about that for a second, right? Uh, uh, the average Joe didn't go to med school. They're not an academic. Maybe they had some undergraduate or, or graduate from high school. 
And you're giving them all this complicated information that they don't yeah. know how to process. Talk me yeah. through that too. How how does that work? Yeah. Again, I, I, there's trade-offs, right? It, 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 there, there are definitely situations, and we hear stories all the time of, of unfortunate situations where people are getting information this way that you know maybe they weren't ready for, or maybe it was not the best way for them to receive the information. And so it's not a 100%, this is always good all the time. But what it does do is it opens up the avenue for app developers, for for people who are passionate about a particular um, disease state or or helping a, a community of patients to to build an app or or build a service that says, hey, you now that you can download your own health information, I'm going to provide you a service to coach you on your Crohn's disease or your cancer or your diabetes. And you as a patient can make the decision about whether you want to use that service to to learn more and to participate uh, in in managing your condition. Again, you know, we talked about this before, Matt, like what those services then do with the data. There's there's a lot of risks there around privacy and, and data use. But I think it's opening a lot of doors for people to to engage with their health information and is a net positive versus all of it being locked up in hospital basements under a stack of paper. Yeah, I tend to call this better problems to have. Better. Pro- I love that. Better problems to have. Absolutely. I was just talking to somebody about that this morning about how we kind of all just used to die in Canterland when they were like five drugs out there yes. and now there's 50 yes. billion drugs out there and it's really hard to be tested based on your genetics but it's a better problem to have than everyone just kind of dying with four drugs in the market yes uh, that is that definitely goes in the category of better problems to have so let's talk about ai i saw this all over the place i mean notable not a sponsor of the show i was just very curious your team yeah. came to me and said would you like to have aaron on the show like how could i not have you on the show <laughs> let's talk about how we're not going to have a robot apocalypse you, you know again i'm going to come back to risks versus benefits i i think about i, I my my good friend atul butte who's a who's faculty at ucsf used the term recently scalable privilege i think Healthcare today, if you look at across the U.S., across the planet, is out of reach for most people. Yes, if you are a privileged individual, you can have access to great healthcare. But for most people, it's really out of reach. And so I think AI gives us a set of tools that can bring that level of expertise, knowledge, education, access to more people who don't have it. I mean, just waiting for the James Bond villain in the hollowed out volcano laboratory to come out with some, some kind of medicine that's run by AI. And it sounds like Kevin Bacon is selling you on a medication, <laughs> right? That's going to happen one day. Yeah. Well, and, I, and I, I think the other thing is people often distill the debate into like, well, is the AI going to replace the doctor? Is, you know, what's better, AI or a doctor? The, the real answer is the best thing is an AI supported doctor. It's an AI-supported nurse. Even from the time when I was in medical school, medical knowledge has expanded so much. It's so vast. And we're still training doctors and nurses to memorize everything and then regurgitate it. Imagine if you could augment their intelligence with AI capabilities and, and have your doctor there 
meeting with you, talking with you, giving you recommendations, but but you know that the quality is high because they didn't fall asleep during a particular particular lecture. You know, they skipped out on on school one day and they missed that lecture or they fell asleep in class. Um, and now they've got all of the world's knowledge at their fingertips. I yeah, would want but, that doctor. You know, like lest we forget that doctors are human beings at the same time of being doctors. My, my question for you is there is an inundation of new information all day, every day. How do you keep up with that new information? I follow Matt on Goodreads. Wow. I see what you <laughs> did there. Well done. I'm glad I'm there. You're welcome, Goodreads. I, you know, I actually, so I am a productivity nerd, Matt. I have, um, it, there used to be a website called Lifehacker. Uh, I don't know if you ever were on that, but, but I, I love trying out new gadgets and, and tools. And so um, these days I'm a fan of a, of a product called a Readwise Reader. Um, it basically allows you to pull in all your email newsletters and blogs and, and news feeds. So I've picked my favorites. I dump them in there. I sit down on the weekends with my iPad on the couch and, and I read. And I've given up. I think the in the modern era, you have to kind of give up trying to, there's, there's so much out there. You have to give up trying to keep up with it all. You just have to read what you can and then move on. This goes back to the fact that you still have a life. And you have to go home and deal with a family and deal with your responsibilities and never hopefully have to call your credit card company because they screwed something up because that's the worst yeah. thing in the world calling credit card. So how do you manage that? You know, as, as don't well say as unless you're a nerd <laughs> as well as well as everyone else, you know, everyone everyone is doing their best. Uh, their best to get by and it's something I try to re always remind myself of when I'm you know, with people in the workplace or seeing patients is everyone's doing their best to get by. And some people are having good days and some people are having bad days. And, and, uh, we're, we're all doing our best to get by. I, I look at life the same way. I feel really fortunate to have a, a great wife and daughter, you know, to have a, a role, a, a job and a, and a company that I work for that I love, um, to have found a career that I love to have, activities like like skiing and, and reading that that I love to do. And so I feel very fortunate. So let's talk briefly about Tidepool. I love everyone that gets involved in the nonprofit space. I ran one for 13 years. Yeah. It's such an interesting privilege to do that. It pros and cons. I got anything else pros and cons. But Tidepool, which why I thought was called Tide Pod. Not a good name, but Tidepool. Nope, nope definitely P -O -O -L. not Tidepool. Tide P O O L Tidepool. Link in the description. Talk about Tidepool. Yeah, just actually this week, Tidepool had its 10th anniversary. Very, very proud of that and excited about that. Tidepool was a group of parents uh, with ki kids with type 1 diabetes and a group of endocrinologists at UCSF many years ago, frustrated by how hard it was for people with diabetes to act, you know, believe it or not, access their own medical information. You know, we talked earlier about continuous glucose monitors People with diabetes had a really hard time getting access to their own information about their own bodies to manage their diabetes, which if they get it wrong, could be fatal in a matter of, of minutes to hours. And so Tidepool was really born out of that frustration of, of, I have to keep myself alive by managing insulin and blood sugar minute to minute. I deserve access uh, to that data, and I deserve access to a set of tools that will help me manage it. 
And of course, this being you know UCSF and Silicon Valley, we had some really talented tech industry people who, whose kids, unfortunately, were diagnosed with type 1, and, and Tidepool was, was born. That's extraordinary. Truly extraordinary. You, you made a footprint. It's really important. You, we really, you know, great, great group of people um, trying to solve real problems that, that they saw in people's lives. And so much credit, uh, you know, shout out to, to Howard Look, who was founder and CEO and has, has poured his soul into Tidepool for, for more than a decade now. Wonderful. All right. Lightning round. Ozempic. How hard are you banging your head against the wall because of this nonsense that has been co-opted? Ooh, frustrating. Uh, has been transformative in treating people with diabetes the last 10 years. Frustrating that it has gotten a little bit out of hand. Yeah, and now it's a jingle. It's a freaking jingle. They turned it into a jingle on commercials. That's terrible. They do. Even my daughter knows it now. I'm not even, I'm not going to dignify it with humming it here, but yeah, everyone listening knows the Ozempic jingle and I'm just like it's it bothers me personally but, that this becomes the quick fix no one needs. Uh I I I have a different take. I I think we as a society are are failing people um we we see so many people struggling with with type 2 diabetes. Um, our previous treatments really didn't work all that well, and I have seen people's lives transformed with these medications. People lose a lot of weight, their A1Cs get better, their their lives are transformed for the better, um, and so I, I am a believer. Right, but that's when properly dosed to the right patient. I'm talking about people that are using it off-label just so they, they can get thin. That is a different story. Yes, exactly. That is what I'm talking about. That is, I'm not happy that that's happening. And and, and unfortunately, it's having negative impacts because there's supply chain shortages, pharmacies are running out. And so I have lots of patients who need it, who can't get it. It's like, yeah, I'm going to take adriamycin because my, I have acne. <laughs> right? Imagine that. But I do, I do, you know, Matt, I think it is also really important to differentiate between cosmetic use and obesity. Obesity is a medical condition. Yes. Um, treating obesity with, with semaglutide, which is the, the compound in Ozempic and Wegovi, is medically indicated, is not something uh, that we should make light of. But, but yes, I think there is a difference between treating medical obesity and, you know, uh, getting rid of the Hollywood Five. Yes, exactly. The cosmetic part is just unacceptable to both of us. Yeah. All right. Final question. Favorite ski resorts? Ooh. I I mean, I, I've got to go with Big Sky Montana. Um, they owe you your degree, so yes. That's right. <laughs> they owe me my medical degree. I'm going to stick with Big Sky. I love Big Sky Montana. All right. Well, Big Sky, not a sponsor. I'm going to call them. Maybe they'll sponsor because I had you on the show, but I'll let you know what goes on. But I'm thrilled. I'm glad your team reached out. I, I love what you guys are doing. I'd love to learn more about Notable and share it with our community one of these days. But it's been a privilege and a pleasure to welcome you to the show. Dr. Aaron Neinstein is the chief medical officer at Notable and a closet cultural anthropologist who loves George Carlin and skiing. How's that? <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Really appreciate the uh, conversation and, uh, and the chance to be here. All righty. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is an Offscript Health production. The executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. It's mixed and edited by Kyle Moore. 
If you like the show, ratings and reviews are always welcome. Leave us a message anytime at 855-AUDIO-66. That's 855-AUDIO-66 to share your healthcare shitness with us. And we might just play them on the air on a future episode. For more information about this show and Offscript Health, visit offscript.com. That's offscript, no T, dot com. The new Super Beats Heart Shoes Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.